to a better world. This is your host, Mitchell J. Raven, and I'm glad you're joining us again today. Sorry for the uh, bit of a delayed response there in getting on the air. We had a couple of little things going on, and uh, they have since gotten resolved. But I want to uh, kind of address in relatively brief manner uh, some of the issues that are facing us today. Um, globally, and I, as you know, those of you who listen to the show regularly, and I think most people do, recognize that we are best off thinking about our issues as a species, as a biological expression of the, shall we say, the divine, of evolutionary consciousness and intelligence, whatever that life force was that created life and continues to moment by moment. So we're in the situation in which we have arisen here on this planet through any number of different iterations um, of and in our past, and we are the current day embodiment of all that has gone before. That goes for us uh, as a group, as a collective, and it also goes for us individually in families and our ancestors. And we know this. This is kind of a common known thing. But, of course, I have to be a little careful because the things that I may assume I have found out over time are not the same things others assume about what is sort of uh, culturally known. I have been surprised many times to see that the same assumptions I make are not those others do. So uh, in honor of that, I slow it down and I articulate all that I can in respect to this. So uh, I like to speak about species-wide, species-level, and not get caught in many of the little eddies and tributaries that get involved when we look at many of the distinctions that are showing up today as very, very important when we talk about things like identity politics, for instance. All of that's fine. It's fine. More important is, I think, from nature's point of view, is the species and the differences between us are part of that biodiversity. So all is good. Uh, we are collectively charged with maintaining, sustaining our uh, our species. And because of the nature of this particular species called human sapiens, sometimes I call homo ridiculous, uh, you know, we are also in some interesting way, I don't want to say in charge of, but it is part of our stewardship, I would say to keep an eye on all of our brothers and sisters in other kingdoms, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the mineral kingdom, 
and make sure that they are intact to the extent that we can. They definitely take care of themselves without our intervention. If anything, our intervention is to consist of minimum intervention in the others. In other words, everything runs just fine left to itself, left to its own ecosystemic devices until we come in and start stirring the pot and making a mess of things, which we have so clearly done on this very beautiful, precious planet. That we call home. Isn't that curious? Would you just let your own home be messed up and mussed up and let it just sit like that? Well, in fact, that is what we have done as stewards, uh, said a bit loosely, of this beautiful home of ours called Mother Earth, or as Buckminster Fuller said, Spaceship Earth. Always a beautiful and really interesting, if not provocative, way of putting it. So, uh, seeing as we've made a mess on so many levels, which is why in the introduction to today's uh, written description, I speak about the complex issues we are facing today because they are largely social, economic, political, uh, and um, we do need to reckon with all of that at base putting those in some ways aside for a moment. We want to look at just, you could say, our hygiene habits when it comes to Mother Earth, what we do to care for her and sustain her. Uh, And we foul the air, and we foul and contaminate the water, and we do the same thing to the soil. And, well, guess what? When you get that, you get a polluted, contaminated Earth. And if you do that for long enough, systems begin to break down. Other systems begin to to transmute in adaptation to the new conditions. That's just the way evolution and biology work. And so we have gone so far in polluting our oceans, which has destroyed the coral reefs, that has destroyed marine life. Uh, And then on the surface, the destruction of vast volumes of trees in the Amazon and in the Congo, the two two lungs of our planet. We know we are in trouble, and we are. Our pollution and chemicalization of the planet, of our bodies, is a disaster. And, uh, well, so I'm not going to go on about that. I am going to go on, however, about the remedies and beyond the remedies, even the solutions. First thing is to see that we are cause, that much of what we're suffering from today in these respects are anthropogenic in nature, i.e., man originated. Now, I don't think I have to say this, but I guess I will regarding that whole idea of assumptions. Uh, The climate is changing all the time because the world is spinning, the earth is spinning, the uh, sun is spinning and revolving, there's rotation.
education, there's revolution, they're on every single possible level from the uh electrons around the um around the uh center of the atom, all the nucleus, all the way microcosmically, literally, to the macrocosmic, we're all spinning around different Milky Ways and around the universe. It's, you know, it's the mirroring effect. And we all know it, and we learn it in school. It's one of the true things they've taught us, and it goes on. And uh, we are, in fact, a mirror of that. In fact, there's a wonderful old uh, uh, doctrine from the Middle Ages called the Doctrine of Signatures, where nature is reflecting us and us reflecting nature all the time. And one of the examples of that is the aconite seed, which is good for eye problems, which, behold, looks like an eye. So we get this really interesting mirroring effect, if not a bit of a comedic effect, in nature herself. Nature is comedic. And uh, I don't think I have to go on about that because all I have to do is look at the platypus and look at some of nature's creatures. Even us, you know, from the right point of view, we look awfully silly. Now, we have our own definitions of beauty among ourselves, you know, speaking among ourselves. But to other animal groups, we may look bizarre. And we sure act bizarrely. So, anyway, I want to just, you know, make it clear that our subjective view has much to be um, modified from a larger objective point of view, if you will. So, uh, coming back, we are the ones who have soiled the habitat, and we are the ones to clean it up. We have poisoned the habitat so severely and in so many ways, it calls for a nothing short of a revolution in the way we live because our lifestyles are the main contributor. Not that we look to com, uh, to contaminate ourselves. No, we don't. But we are part of a system that's really like glue and very hard to pull yourself out of. And in fact, many of the people who have pulled themselves out and are living off the grid, so to speak, end up uh, being, oh, it's hard to even say this, but arrested for violating the law because there are laws, at least in some states in the United States, so-called uh, beacon of freedom for the world, where it is illegal not to be hooked up to the local utility. What? That's not freedom at all. But in fact, that's what some of the laws are and one can be arrested in one's own home under such circumstances of being off the grid in certain states or in certain counties. So it's set off good, as we say in French. It's just scary. Maybe I wanted to do that because I just spoke with a friend in Paris. So in any event, uh, we have much to deal with and to reckon with. First and foremost, I would say that we have to reckon with our minds in recognizing the problems, identifying the challenges, 
and starting to move into a body, a plethora, a veritable plethora of solutions therefrom. Now, one of the places I go to for solutions, besides my common sense, is what has been compiled in the book known as Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming, edited by Paul Hawken and Catherine Wilkinson, both of whom have been guests on A Better World Radio. And you can go back into our archive at www abetterworld.tv to this last September and October and you can find those interviews or put their names into the search engine under Radio Archive in the drop down. Alright, so that I would definitely point you in the direction of. As for this book, it holds 80 to 100 solutions in rank order by the way of what is the most toxic and therefore what needs to be most turned around all the way to the least toxic and the least problematic. But at each level, make no mistake, there is much to be reckoned with and much to be solved slash resolved. So with that said, I'll just remind you, because you've probably heard me say this before, that the top ingredient that is producing ill effects in our environment from the point of, uh, of greenhouse gases and ozone depletion is freon, refrigerants. These are the most toxic. And it's been recognized for some 50 years. I think it goes back to, was it 1971 or 74, and the Montreal Protocol which blew the whistle on this because there had been research into this throughout the 60s at least that identified Freon in particular as being the substance, the chemical substance that does most damage. All right, solution. Well, we have it here at A Better World. In truth, we really do. We are working through our... Uh, affiliate company Zoetic uh, with a Freon substitute that is green, that is clean, that is non-toxic and we can put it in any large institutional or governmental setting or let's say a large hotel chain or office chain or retail store chain or uh, supermarket chain or the like, and with this replacement of ours, we can quickly change this discharge of freon toxicity into our atmosphere. If we were to do this worldwide in the next 6 to 12 months, which can be done, we would be making a major offset to the growing temperatures caused by the increased presence of greenhouse gases in our atmosphere. Okay? Number one. One of the other major contributors is the way buildings are maintained. The buildings have immense CO2 uh, uh, exhalation, if you will, in building materials, um, 
in the way they use energy and the like. So again, let's move and jump right into solutions. We have what are called smart buildings, and they are made of materials that are much more user-friendly, that are eco-friendly, that do not pollute in the same way that building structures currently do, that can be put on solar and wind and geothermal and hydrokinetic forms of renewable energy, eventually biogas as well. So again, we have glass that has PV, photovoltaic, built into the glass. So the building can become its own virtual power plant. We have, uh, we have uh, green roofs. We have a green, beautiful, ultra-low maintenance grass seed that needs to be mowed, if at all, for once every four or five weeks. Reuses almost no water. Doesn't need fertilizer except for a bit in the first month as it begins to just kind of catch on. But by the end of the first month, it is growing beautifully, and it outcompetes current uh, weeds and grass there. That is uh, standard. Also, by the way, it is it is uh, sequestering carbon at eight to ten times the rate of normal grass. So no more pesticides, no more insecticides, no more herbicides in our grass. We don't need it, or chemical fertilizers. We just don't need these. And if you do the arithmetic about what that will do to our nation, just our nation alone, is got 45 square mile, 45 45, you know what, I'm so sorry, I forgot the exact, I have it written down and I will get it to you, uh, amount of uh, 45,000 square miles of lawn, of lawn, all of that can be turned into a carbon sequestration machine. This is called creative thinking. This is really seeing a problem and coming up with a solution. There are people that I met recently at Goldman Sachs who have told me that they are involved in projects that take uh, plastic from all types of plastic and turn it into usable products. So there are, that. needless to say, uh, plastics are plaguing our environment, and in particular our oceans. Well, interestingly, just this past week, Malaysia turned back boatfuls, tons and tons of plastics to Canada and said, go back to where you came from. We don't want them. But I'm saying that there are plastic transmutation processes. So this can be done. It's no longer a problem. A Better World deals with a company that takes all waste up to radiation, something radioactive, and converts it. Rubber tires, 
medical waste, all types of waste, food waste, um, um, you know, manure, and converts it into uh, jet fuel, actually, or biochar, which is essentially fertilizer. It's soil. So there are immensely creative answers to a lot of these very serious solutions. Fabien Cousteau was on recently, the grandson of Jacques Cousteau, venerable oceanographer. And he was talking about some new solutions for revitalizing the coral reefs that are dying all over the world. And these are proving, these solutions are proving adequate to really revitalizing and revivifying our coral life, which in turn, at the beginning of the marine food chain, turns around the entire chain and marine ecosystem. So I'm saying, my friends, there are some real serious uh, answers. Another of the top items that is uh, a danger to our environment is commercial cattle and their waste the cattle's waste, which releases massive amounts of methane into the air. Well, uh, Better World, again, is working with a company that takes that waste. Now, it's one thing to want to dismantle the entire commercial cattle industry, dairy and beef, you know, and one understands that, and I think that there's merit to that by all means. But in the meantime, we're dealing with triage right now. And we have a way of taking that manure, which is much too voluminous, to let it settle into the ground. And not only that, these poor, poor cows are completely strapped up and straddled into cages. So there's no roaming going on anyway where uh, manure can be and should be uh, becoming part of the ecosystem of the land and gets absorbed and forms fantastically new uh, nutrient-rich soil. But in light of the actual situation today, we do have answers because we have a company that we're connected with that gathers that manure together, pays the farmers for that manure, and puts it into enormous anaerobic biodigesters which turns that manure into usable, renewable biogas. And there's so much going on in that space right now, I don't have the time to go into it. But I have just outlined a handful of solutions, of many, but that's only because I have to have a short uh, show today, and many other good ones are coming. So please stay tuned to A Better World. We will be moving shortly to another platform called Spreaker and maintaining a blog talk radio as well, but moving also beyond. So I want to thank all of you for your attention and your interest in these vitally important subjects. You can reach me, as always, directly at mjr at abetterworld.net. That's mjr at abetterworld.net or directly by phone, 212-420-0800, 212-420-0800. Please share your thoughts with us. 
Remember that we are a 501c3, that is a non-profit organization, and your contributions will keep us and do keep us alive and thriving on the air. So this is Mitchell J. Rabin. Make sure to get us uh, in your email box by signing up for our weekly free newsletter at www.abetterworld.tv. We always appreciate your feedback and comments. Thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.